0: The podcast of this local government meeting is brought to you by Michigan Radio. For more
1: coverage of local government meetings and to find out how you can support this service, go to michiganradio.org.
2: Three, with uh, the clerk, please call the roll.
3: Chair sure, Council Member Fred third present. Council Member Coleman the second here. Councilmember Gabriela Santiago Romero. Present. You have a quorum present, Mr. Chair.
2: Thank you, Madam Clerk. Next, we will move to approval of the minutes. Uh, members have been pro- uh, provided the minutes from last meeting. Do I have a motion to approve the minutes? Motion. Hearing no objection, that action shall be taken. Uh, today, we have uh, a few presenters, a couple discussions. discussions. Uh, Due to the inclement weather that is happening here and uh, to keep everyone safe, including members of our staff, uh, we want to have a robust discussion, but we want to try to keep this limited so we can allow folks to get home in time safely. Uh, And so I would ask that our presenters who are coming before us today, uh, please give uh, your information uh, that we want to get to the public, but uh, let's try to keep it. Uh, In and within a timeline where we can ensure that we get everybody home safely. Uh, So next, we will move to our public comment. Uh, We have one uh, member of the public here with us physically, uh, and then we will open it up for virtual public comment as well. Uh, If you would like to participate in public comment and you are attending via Zoom, please indicate so by raising your hand now. Again, public comment is open. We will close it very shortly. Uh, If you would like to participate in public comment and you're joining us online, please raise your hand now. Uh, We will now move to uh, one of our first public comments, uh, dealing with a member that we have here uh, in the audience. Could you please state your name for the record and proceed?
4: Uh, For the record, my name is Reuben James Crowley, Jr. Uh, Today I'm appearing as Reuben Black. Proceed. Okay, at issue is uh, what's going on with the Detroit Police Department and its uh, suicide designation placed on Kenesha Coleman. Well, I've explained that you can't have a suicide without gun stipplings on the entry wound. I know uh, it's doesn't it's not rocket science. It's fairly easy to understand that if you don't have the gun stippling on the entry wound, it cannot possibly be a suicide. So that designation given by the Detroit Police Department. And the one that won't refuse, Lieutenant DeLuca over at uh, Internal Affairs, he refuses to inst- investigate the criminality of the matter because he told me the Homicide Division, the ones that did the designation, is uh, did a thorough investigation, which is uh, total BS. Now, I pushed it all the way up to the chief, James E. White. You know, he's following in his predecessor, James E. Craig's footsteps, and um the situation has come to now where it needs to be settled once and for all, and city council has the ability to subpoena them in here and explain themselves, which they can't possibly do. So, where do we go from here? That's the question I ask. Now, there's another issue about these uh, limited obligation tax bonds and a notice that's supposed to be given before the sale of bonds. Now, I understand that's on the agenda today. I was just told that it was a report already proffered up by LPD. I want to get a copy of that report as soon as possible, possibly before I leave here. And then there's also the matter of the, uh, <clears throat> this affidavit that was proffered up by uh, Mike Duggan saying that he doesn't know anything about what he held the press conference in regards to Robert Carmack. He said he doesn't know any personal knowledge of it. Now, if there's no witnesses, no documents in the case and he doesn't know anything, who does know? That's a question I want to get an answer to.
2: Okay, thank you very much. Mr. Leonard, uh well, seeing no other members here in the public for public comment. Uh Mr. Leonard, how many callers do we have online? Good afternoon, Mr. Chair and honorable committee members. Uh today we have four hands that are raised in public comment okay if you would like to participate in public comment as well please raise your hand uh now uh, we are getting ready to close public comment uh, if you'd like to participate uh, participate please indicate by raising your hand uh, public comment going once going twice going three times public comment is now closed uh, mr leonard who is our first caller mr chair our first caller is jim dwight Jim Dwight, you have two minutes for public comment. Please state your name for the record and proceed.
5: Can you hear me now?
2: We can, please proceed.
5: Okay. Um, Good afternoon, BFA committee members. My name is Jim Dwight, a 38 year resident of District 1 and a member of the Right to Council Coalition. From August 1st through October 14th of 2022, 987 rid evictions were ordered at 36th District Court that's 18 evictions per day at 2.6 people per family in Detroit that is 46 people per day received eviction notices 46 people including children it's time to fully fund the right to counsel ordinance it is the law today There is no phone, no email, no way to contact the office of eviction defense, which by law should have opened on October 1st, 2022. It's time for the Duggan administration to follow the law. Thank you all very much and drive safely on the way home.
2: Thank you very much. Next caller, please our next caller is Cunningham brother Cunningham you have two minutes for public comment please state your name for the record and proceed 313-444-9114 313-444-9114 it's
6: a hotline number a information number you can listen this is anonymous so 313-444-9114 three minutes Thanks for all the text messages of happy birthday. I appreciate it. On Facebook, it forced the force of Serbians coming in. On Facebook, force of Serbians coming in. On Facebook, force of Serbians coming in. I specialize uh, to the airport, I was state, etc. Uh, today, the roads going a Airport and roads on the regular street.
2: Please pause the clock, uh, Mr. Leonard. Brother Cunningham, if you're still speaking, it has been difficult to hear you, but now we cannot hear you at all.
6: Can you hear me now?
2: We can hear you now, sir. Can you can you hear me now? A lot better. I just turned off the Bluetooth.
6: Um,
2: okay, please so, pres-
6: please proceed. Yes, 313-444-9114. Thank you for all the well wishes for the birthday tomorrow. Um, but everybody have traveling mercies. The traffic is really bad. It's really slick out here, be careful. Um, um, uh, Chairman Durhall, I-, I believe they said that you had done a uh, bus ride along, that you had got on the coaches and everything. We would love to know how to go and how did they go talking to the constituents. The bus service from what I see, because I'm all around the city, is worse after 6 p.m. and on the weekends. It's really bad. Um, I always say signing bonuses would help and more advertising, maybe some funds from the state, um, which the state would rather fund the Q line than fund DDOT, Detroit Department of Transportation fixed line routes. Thank you so much. Everybody have a great day. Travel mercies.
2: Thank you, Brother Cunningham. Really appreciate that. Uh, next caller, please. Our next caller is Miss Carol Hughes. Ms. Hughes, you have two minutes for public comment. Please state your name for the record and proceed.
7: Good afternoon, honorable body. My name is Carolyn Hughes. Can you hear me? Yes, ma'am. May I be heard? You may. Mr. Cunningham, happy birthday to you, Early. At any rate, uh, Mr. Black has spoken of some difficulties we have with the police department and their relationship with the people. We can't get uh, names from an officers that uh, actually uh, use target practice on a young man having a mental issue. Uh, Mr. Uh, Councilman uh, Durhall, you are uh, not only over the budget and finance, you're also over audit. The guy, Mr. Lockridge, who was leaving, left you with a scathing report about what's going on. It's incumbent upon you to audit where our money is going. Mr. Cunningham mentioned the Q line. I have asked you and this body several times. $125 million in bond sales were made for the Q line. I would like to know how that asset ended up in private hands. You need to answer that question because you are over the audit committee. Um, I also want to speak on 5.3 today, community outreach. Please, as you make the budget, don't follow along with just what the mayor wants to do, but follow along what the people want they're asking you for affordable housing they're asking you for something that they can afford and something that they deserve as, as opposed to all of these nez's of which i think there should be a moratorium until we can find out how these are benefiting the citizens because we're spending a lot of money on nez's and i don't see a lot of uh coming out of that uh, in 2019 a billion dollars came a grant to the to the to the residents and i I didn't see a a penny of that money i didn't see any of it i haven't seen any arpa dollars i still have to buy things for sanitation so do all of the residents some of that cash should come to the to the people and i think we should rethink tiffs i don't think we need them anymore we've been on the cover of time magazine it's time for the neighborhoods thank you
2: thank you miss hughes next caller Next caller is Tanya Tanya Myers Phillips. Tanya Myers Phillips, you have two minutes for public comment. Please state your name for the record and proceed.
8: Good afternoon. My name is Tanya Myers Phillips. Thank you to this honorable body. Thank you, Chair Duha for, um, and Member Romero and Young for passing this ordinance. We appreciate your support. I'm calling, excuse me, I'm calling about the Detroit right to counsel ordinance and we thank you for passing it. But in addition to passing this ordinance, we need to come back to the issue of funding this ordinance. We're eight months past the the date it was passed. We're four months past the implementation date. And people are continuing to be evicted and go to court without full legal representation every day. I'm pleased that United Community Housing Coalition has been selected as the administrator. And I'm pleased that it seems like their contract negotiations are going along. However, we need three specific things at this point. We need full funding for the remainder of this fiscal year. We need full funding for next fiscal year. And we need this Office of Eviction Defense to open to the public, to conduct community outreach as they're supposed to do under the ordinance and to serve the people, not be walled off. I believe Conrad Mallet was behind, uh, approached this body a couple of weeks ago and asked for 60 more days to collect more data. We already have a study. We already know how many people were evicted and how many cases were filed at the 36th District Court last year. This is not a data issue. This is a human issue and we're asking this committee and this body to continue to stand up for the residents of Detroit to demand the mayor follow the law and to provide a budget this fiscal year and next fiscal year that meets the needs and provides full legal representation for every Detroiter who is eligible and should be receiving services under this ordinance right now.
2: Thank you. Thank you, Ms. Myers Phillips. Mr. Leonard, is this uh, our next call? Is that our final caller? Ms. Phillips was our final caller. Okay, thank you very much. Uh, So that concludes public comment for today. Uh, In regards to a couple comments by the public, we are going to have a brief discussion on right to counsel today as well. So uh, we will go over that. Uh, Relative to the audit, uh, we do have an Auditor General. uh, So please know uh, that is who we utilize to do audits here uh, for the City of Detroit. Uh with the clerk please note that we have also been joined by Council President Sheffield. Good
9: afternoon.
2: Thank you, Madam Clerk. Uh, so we will move uh onto our 105 discussion. Uh with those who are participating, please queue up. And as mentioned before, uh we are going to uh try to keep this as succinct uh and brief as possible. Uh, noting that members of our staff are present uh, in the inclement weather. Uh, we want to ensure that everybody gets home safely as well. So uh, I will now uh, recognize and turn it over to our Auditor General, uh, Mr. Lockridge. Good afternoon, sir.
10: Uh, good afternoon. How are you, Chairman Hall? Thank, Thank you for uh, allowing us to come and present today. So as the public probably knows, we... Um, the auditor general's office is responsible for presenting the, uh, the financial position of the city and the results of the activity. And we do that probably for the last four to five years through an external auditor. And so plant Moran is our external auditor and they have a presentation today and they need to be elevated so they can, um, uh, present their, um, uh, PowerPoint on the screen. So if, um, I think Carrie Shea is the one, yes, who it needs to be elevated. So thank you, Mr. Chair.
2: Thank you, Mr. Auditor General. Mr. Leonard, if you could please grant sharing capabilities to Ms. Shea.
0: Good afternoon. It is a pleasure to be here today, and we will keep our presentation high level um, to cover the audit results for the year ended June 30, 2022. I'm Stacey Reeves, and with me today is Carrie Shea and Amanda Ward. And we'll uh, work through the presentation again at a high level, but please don't hesitate to ask any questions that you have as we're going through. The first item that we want to cover is just the overall opinion for the financial statement audit. This year, the city did receive an un. Modified opinion again this year, which is also referred to as a clean opinion. It's the highest level of assertion that we as the auditors can offer that the city's financial statements are free of material misstatement. Within the opinion, there were two items that were identified as just matters to be aware of uh, related to the audit. One was the implementation of a new standard related to leases, which is reflected in the financial statements, and another related to a transaction with the Housing Commission that, again, did not modify our opinion, but was just one to bring to your attention. When we're performing the audit, we also issue an end of audit communication, which was in your packet. That communication covers any items that we're aware of as part of the audit process where there was noncompliance with laws and regulations, changes in accounting or significant estimates impacting the financial statements. The one new item that was identified this year as it related to that activity related to just some noncompliance compliance procedures related to grant activities and the general ledger being tracked in a timely manner. That's not completely new for the city. We did have a similar finding several years ago, but was new this year as it related to prior year. The significant estimates are very common for the city as well as other communities. It does in in Nevada communication, identify those areas where significant estimates occur as well as the city's approach to those estimates. As part of the audit process, we did have some findings related to internal controls, and we present here a matrix that discusses just the trend related to those findings. And again, this focuses on the financial statement audit. Amanda will be covering the findings related to the single audit and the single audit results in a few minutes. As you can see, for fiscal year 22, there were three findings that were identified. There was a finding From last year, that was resolved and removed related to controls around the capital asset activity for the city. This year, there were some errors related to that. However, they were included in a general overall finding related to audit identified general entries because the overall process had improved that the city employed related to capital asset tracking. There were other components of findings from prior years that were addressed and implemented and fixed in the current year. And this is a list of those items that are not recurring related to findings in the current year. This details out the findings that were identified this year related to material weaknesses or material non-compliance and in internal controls. As you can see the first four items were repeat items from prior years two of those items actually represent findings from reporting entities other than the city that are part of the city's financial report and are identified by other audit firms the new item that was identified this year is item number five which related to user access controls when team members of the city are terminated and just ensuring that there's a proper and timely process in place to remove access from users for bank accounts as well as general ledger accounting. Carrie is going to cover some high level results as it relates to revenues and expenses on a trend analysis.
1: The next four slides, we will look at some trends. I just wanna point out all of these slides relate solely to the general fund, um, not is not comprehensive of all the other funds of the city. Um, You can see this is the revenue trend for the past five years. Uh, Revenue in 22 is in the far right column at $1.2 billion. You can see that the most significant um, revenue stream for the city is in orange that represents the city's income taxes. Um, Income tax revenue did increase um, over last year and that is due to an effort of the city really collaborating with the state on enforcement efforts and then also some of the return to office and return to work um, that has happened in fiscal year 22. The other um, notable change and increase is in the the gold color, which represents the wagering tax um, from the casino income that is in part due to this was a full year of operations for the casinos and online gaming was also a bigger component this year than in the past and there was also a receivable for fiscal year 21 that was um, captured in revenue this year properly in 22. looking at the expenditure side um, you can see the trend over the the last several years Uh, the one thing i want to note is so gray is the largest area of expenditures this is your public protection It appears in here, and you can see in the general fund, the expenses in fiscal years 20 and 21 are lower for that category than they are in 19 and 22 on the bookend years. That is due to the fact that those public protection expenditures still occurred in those two fiscal years. They were just recorded in other funds as a result of the coronavirus virus relief funding that the city received. So 22 kind of resulted more to a normal level for the um, general fund because it was recorded back in that fund um, with those grants not being used. The general fund fund balance is the um, difference between your assets and liabilities for the fund. Uh, The total fund balance for the general fund just exceeded a billion dollars for this year. The categories below start off with non-spendable and go down to unassigned. So the most restricted are at the top. And as you go down, they become less restricted to the unassigned, which has, has no restrictions at all. And we'll take a look at this breakdown a little further on the next slide. This slide goes into a detailed comparison of showing you the details within each of those categories we just saw, what they're mainly um, used for, and then a comparison um, year over year. So I'm not going to go into all the details of this slide, but we wanted to provide that to you for your use. And I'm going to turn it over to Amanda, who's going to go through a summary of the single audit results.
3: Great. Thanks, Carrie, and good afternoon, everyone. Um... I will present the results of the fiscal year 22 single audit and as Stacy mentioned, we'll provide a high level summary but certainly if there are questions, feel free um, to stop me and I'm, I'm happy to address those questions. Um, I'm pleased to report that the single audit was issued concurrently with the financial statements so um, both the financial statements and the single audit, were um, issued and reported to the state um, prior to December 31st. Um, all of those were actually uploaded on December 22nd. Um, so all of the reports got issued um, timely. And with the city, um, the single audit in particular, that was actually issued in ahead of the federal um, audit deadline. As you can see on this slide, the city would have expended 230 million uh, federal expenditures in fiscal year 22. And that's really almost double what the activity would have been in 2019 um, pre-pandemic funding. Um, This actually resulted in us having 10 major programs that we needed to audit. And um, the aggregate of those 10 major programs would have represented about 88 percent of the total activity um, of the federal awards that the city um, incurred for the fiscal year. in addition, I'm happy to report that this year, all 10 major programs did receive unmodified opinions and as Stacy mentioned, that is the highest level of assurance that we can offer. And it basically indicates that the city would have complied in all material respects to the direct and material compliance requirements of those grants. Um, terms and conditions and you would note that in the prior year we actually had three major programs that actually would have had qualified opinions so again all clean opinions this year on the 10 major programs that we issued in the prior year we also noted that there was a hud monitoring um, report that was issued and there were a number of matters um, that can, the city continues to work to close out those findings um, and those matters are being resolved Um, and the majority actually have been closed out by HUD. And again, as I mentioned in my opening comments, um, just the significant amount of pandemic funding that has been received over the last three years, again, really double the activity of that in 2019. The next slide really highlights all of the major programs that we would have audited. Um, You will see all 10 listed. You will see that there were all unmodified opinions. We also provide the number or the amount of federal expenditures that would have been reported for each of those um, grants and the number of findings. And what I want to note here is that we had a total of nine single audit findings that we issued. But in some cases, the findings would have related to the same finding would have related to multiple grants, so they would have been aggregated um, together in those findings. The next few slides will provide the details of all of those findings, and and I won't go into those in detail, just in interest of time and and for everyone's safety to get home, Um, but those provide the details. But the one thing that I do want to make note of is that all of the findings that we issued, none of them reported question costs. So that is something to take note of, is that although we reported findings, there was nothing that would have said that there were question costs or things that we would have suggested that were an error that this the city spent um, to. So in interest of time that that will conclude our report, but happy to address any additional questions um, that you may have.
2: Thank you very much. And we'll open it up for questions from members. Any questions? Okay, so uh, just a, a quick comment. It's good to see that uh, a lot of these reports have come, uh, come back unmodified. That is good news from uh, our standpoint, meaning that uh, we are spending our funds correctly uh, in the manner that they are supposed to be spent or they've been appropriated. Uh, so that is, is great. Uh, one thing that we always talk about, uh, and this is probably more of an OCFO uh, question, Uh, but we look at the rise of income taxes uh, and relative to the income tax that surge uh, that we uh, had in this previous fiscal year Uh, even through your findings uh, do we kind of attribute that as well to folks coming back to work uh, after the pandemic even though we're still going through it per se Uh, but do we kind of attribute a little bit of that rise in income tax to folks going back to work or folks starting new positions Uh, within the city
0: some of that is attributed to the return to work and and in-person work another component of that is related to the state of michigan's increased compliance efforts that they've had uh, related to the collection on behalf of the city's taxes the state has some authority over Um, some compliance measures that the city would not have independently that has allowed them to really increase the opportunity to withhold refunds on taxes owed and other things like that, that is attributed to the increase as well.
2: Well, we want to keep up uh, the the good work uh, relative to the city, Uh, that increase in income tax allowed us to uh, have uh, additional revenue that we could utilize throughout our budget. So, uh, seeing no more questions from members, uh, I want to thank you all for your very hard work. Uh, um, Mr. Chair. Thank you. Uh, I, I'm going to, oh, I'm sorry, Mr. Corley, you have a thank couple you, questions. Chair.
11: Yeah, uh, not a, really a question, just a comment uh, indicating that um, we in uh, LPD, as we speak, is working on a review of the 2022 um, annual uh, comprehensive financial statements for the city, and we
2: should have that report out uh, within a couple of weeks. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Corley. And and, uh, Director Lockridge, could you do us a favor and please uh, inform the public where they can have access to uh, this report as well? I know we get a lot of callers in that would like to have access to audits and reports. Uh, Could you please let them know where they can find this report? You're muted, Mr. Lockridge.
10: Yes, Mr. Chair. I believe this is actually on the... Located on the OCFO's website, so uh, John, well, perhaps OCFO could actually give the yeah, th- two- yeah. Thank you, through the chair, um, um, Mr. Block, which is right. If if um, folks go to the OCFO Office of Chief Financial Officer webpage on the city's website, you see all these reports are posted. Um, all reports of local governments are also filed with the state department of treasury so that's also a good place for people that want to not only look at our city's financial statements but but other cities to see how they might compare so uh, but we've made sure that all these reports as soon as they were issued were were posted to the city's website so they're easy for citizens and taxpayers to access
2: all right thank you very much okay Uh, Again, we want to thank you for your hard work. I know uh, the audit is not something that is very easy. Uh, Thank you for your diligence, uh, and thank you to Plant Moran as well. Uh, With that, members, uh, we will now close out uh, our 105 discussion. And we will now move to line item six, which is our 110 discussion for right to counsel. Uh, members noting that uh, line item 7.2 addresses right to counsel as well. The status of President Mary Sheffield uh, status uh, to request it to, to discuss funding for the right to counsel. Uh, do I have a motion to take up line item 7.2 and line item five uh, together? Motion. Okay, so we will take those up together. Uh, Joining us here to have our discussion on right to counsel uh, is our corporation counsel, uh, Mr. Conrad Mallet. Please join us here at the table. And because we are taking these up together, uh, 7.2 with uh, line item 6 as well, I have to have a motion to discuss. Is there a motion to discuss? Motion. Okay, hearing no objection, we will now go into discussion for... Right to Council. Uh, good morning, or good a- afternoon, should I say, uh, morning, Corporation Council. So, uh, to the uh,
12: members of this honorable body, so first of all, I have good news. Um, my friend uh, Tanya Peoples Myers actually stole a little bit of my thunder, but I can say to this group with some degree of relief and excitement uh, the contract for Right to Council was signed by UCHC and the city of Detroit yesterday. uh, A signed copy of the contract was transmitted by OCP uh, to the council president's office this morning. Uh, So we are well on our way. Uh, The representation opportunities, I think, uh, managed by UCHC uh, are really going to make a difference in the lives of the persons that are served. I just want to point out that Now that the contract is signed, UCHC then will have the obligation to do its own RFP. So it'll be a short form RFP, but nevertheless, under the ARPA rules that we're managing under, uh, it's required that there be an open bid process for people to uh, offer their services to the organization, In in this case, UCHC, that has the administrative responsibility I'm fairly certain, uh, Mr. Chairman and members of this body, that uh, uh, we're going to get very, very robust responses, particularly from the other agencies in the city that have traditionally done work like this. If you remember the RFP in this case, required experience doing this work. Landlord-tenant law has its own group, has its own complexities. Uh, It's not as simple as people might think, uh, and therefore, having managed large programs like this really is going to be something that will benefit uh, the persons that we seek uh, to serve. So we're excited. We're on our way. In addition, uh, the next time that we come back uh, to answer questions based on the contract, which I'm sure uh, some of your colleagues or perhaps members of this body will have, Uh, April Faith Shaker, the Executive Director of Right to Counsel, Dylan Adrian, the Program Manager, uh, and Ted Phillips, who was the President of UCHC, and myself, we will all be here to answer those questions and discuss the process going forward. So we are where we had hoped to be some months ago. Uh, Again, Mr. Chairman, I take responsibility uh, for us being behind schedule, but The ARP uh, contract process, actually, I'm really glad to have gone through that as a responsible department overseeing this particular uh, program. I had really, even as corporation counsel, didn't have the full appreciation for the reporting complexity that has to be a part of every one of these contracts because we are certain there will be a series of audits conducted by the federal government, particularly uh, with the new majority in the House of Representatives. So, uh, I think that you can, Mr. Chairman, your colleagues as well, expect an increasing number of these ARP contracts coming your way. Uh, they are going to be. Uh, they are going to be voluminous. They're going to be. Uh, Pages and pages long in this case this particular contract is 74 pages long Uh, That's not just because we were trying to think of things to do what we were uh, Intent on is meeting the requirements of the ARPA. So with that. Mr. Chairman. I will uh, uh, Wait for your colleagues uh, to see the contract. I know you'll have questions and we'll be back if there is anything particular that I can answer in general, or maybe some of you have already seen it and have questions now, uh, I'm prepared to respond
2: in any way that you'd like. Thank you, Corporation Counsel. We will open it up for questions. Are there any questions? Chair recognizes uh, Vice Chair Young. Thank you so much. Uh, <laughs> Corporation Counsel, good to see you. Always a pleasure, sir. Good to sir. see you as well, Mike. I
13: sir. just wanted to ask you, firstly, I'm 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 a little bit confused about this. When they're talking about fully fund, mm-hmm. is it on top of the money that's already been appropriated? Is it that we haven't appropriated the money yet, and so we're still trying to wait for that process to happen? Kind of walk me through when people are talking about fully fund. What does that hey, mean? So I, I thought mean, everybody agreed on amount that we were going to fund this starting out.
12: Well, no, I I I I, I don't think you can say that, uh, uh, Councilperson Young. What I would say yeah. is this was that there was vigorous negotiation between the council president's office and the administration. Uh, I can say with no hesitation that the council president uh, uh, agreed to the $6 million, but was not happy then, and I'm sure will evidence her continued unhappiness uh, this afternoon with that number. Um, that the $6 million was the number that we, that, that, that we agreed to. I don't think there was any representation Uh, made by the administration that that was enough I do think that one of the things the administration had in mind was the Gilbert Family Foundation dollars that were available for this specific purpose right I get the argument that those are private philanthropic dollars and that is not how government should be run I get that as well nevertheless adding the two amounts together we are going to be able to represent significantly, I think, a large percentage of the persons who uh, need those services. Now, remember, one of the things that is often present in these discussions is the 30,000 eviction filings. I understand that. But the way the process works now, both for UCHC, Lakeshore, Michigan Legal Services, and the SARA program, private attorneys that I know that you all are familiar with because we just extended some of their contracts so they can complete their representation. In order to get the representation, you need to come to court to meet your attorney. You get your eviction notice, it has a date, you come to court, and if you come to court, Every landlord-tenant court at 3060 is covered every day. (coughs) So there's no question that there might be persons in need of legal representation, but those persons who do come to court uh, 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 at the appropriate moment that their notice says they must appear get the representation that they need. Uh, That has been true since we've had the SARA dollars, which go back to at least 2020, maybe even 2019. I forgot when the SARA program actually was up and running here in the city of Detroit. That has been the intake process. And for uh, the near term, I'm not going to say the long term, but for the near term, that will be the intake process that UCHC and the other providers of service will continue uh, uh, to have so there is no question that based on the observation that one of the uh, callers made as we do our outreach through the Office of Eviction Defense as we make sure that the community is aware of the opportunities that that they have uh, in terms of seeking the uh, representation opportunities that the right to counsel, office of Fixed and defense will provide, we should have more people coming to court uh, and and we are gearing up with the city's represent, representation and dollars made available to meet that uh, increased presence, thus the increased need. Uh, so we'll see. I mean, so, the, the, the I mean, clearly, you can, uh, uh, if the intake process remains as it is, then there's going to be, uh, there should not be any person who needs representation who does not get it. As we expand the program, increase the outreach, there may be a modification of the intake process, uh, but I really do think that, that 's coming i don 't think that's going to be there in the next four or five months man
13: yeah, yeah I, I just
12: I just want to also
13: ask, so when you 're talking about the money, six million dollars, because from my understanding it was there's going to be some city funds and there's going to be some arPA dollars, and there's going to be some Gilbert funds
12: uh, for the Gilbert Family Foundation. Do I have that correct there at this point, these are all um Um, No, I guess we made the decision that we won't be the, the, these are going to be general fund dollars. Okay. Yeah. So the, um, um, no, but the contract is based on ARP. So the, uh, what the mix is, and, and Mr. Chairman, I mean, uh, uh, Councilperson Young, uh, this contract is based on, uh, ARP dollars uh, okay. and at this point no general fund right because because I, I thought it was an issue about the um, potentially
13: being potentially being seen as a letter of credit I right. thought it was the, constitutional right. the ARP state dollars are not
12: are not are not subject to uh, that it, kind of limitation and then my
13: final question because uh, we know that a, the ARP dollars will not last and like you said the Gilbert Family Foundation dollars not necessarily the way you want to run a government program. Has there been any discussion of increasing the rental property registration uh, required? Cause I think right now it's like 11% for landlords that are registered with the city, increasing that, and then charging fees, and those fees being able to fund the program.
12: Yeah, I mean, I, the, there's been no discussion of that that I'm aware of, uh, Councilperson Person Young. I mean, I think that that's part of the deliberative process that this body of the administration will have to go through uh, to figure out post ARP what comes next, yeah, uh, uh, but that is really, really, I think uh, going, that that conversation should be very well informed by the data that we collect, uh, and and so I mean I, I I do think that this is going to be a huge opportunity uh, for this body really to have in front of it data that the uh, Office of Eviction Defense is responsible for collecting in front of
2: you so that whatever decision gets made is gonna be fully informed. Thank you, Corporate Council. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Thank you, Member Vice Chair. Chair recognizes Member Santiago Romero.
9: Uh, thank you, Mr. Chair, uh, good afternoon, good to see you, Conrad. Um, my question's around timeline, mm-hmm. so we have a contract out. When are people going to be able to receive a representation if they're not already? From my, from my knowledge, they still currently aren't receiving these services.
12: There's no city services, but again, uh, UCHC, Lakeshore, Michigan Legal Services, and their private attorneys for Sarah are in court even now as we speak a council person providing the reputation for those persons who actually do come to court. So as far as I am aware, there's no gap in the representation in terms of people who are there to receive it. Number one, number two, with the contract being signed today, when this body uh, approves it, which I'm positive will not take uh, uh, long at all, uh, I'm expecting that UCHC, supported by us, supported by OCP, will get the uh, notifications that the legal community is expecting out. We will be able to do a 14-21 day uh, exposure in terms of the RFPs being on the street. Evaluating them should not be uh, difficult at all. This is work that uh, UCHC has been doing in conjunction with the City of Detroit for almost 30 years. And I think realistically, um, you know, we're looking at March 1, having that portion of the uh, lawyers present in the courtrooms every day funded at uh, 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 with some portion of City of Detroit uh, ARP dollars.
9: Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Chair.
2: Thank you, Member Santiago Romero, as an ex officio uh, for our Budget, Finance, and Audit Subcommittee, uh, the Chair recognizes uh, President Sheffield.
9: Thank you. Thank you so much, Chairman Durha, and to the committee members. Thank you, Corporation Council, for being here. Uh, so, just um, a couple of questions questions that I had were already asked, but I do want to go back to the Office of Eviction Defense. Mm-hmm. Uh, and just if you could speak a little bit more about what you envision for that office and the reason why I ask is because as we drafted the ordinance, uh, section 22 84 talks about conducting outreach to families and individuals who are covered under this particular ordinance. I think we envision it to actually be an office where the public can actually call, uh, receive services or resources. Um, even though the United community housing coalition will take intake. It will still serve as a city department, not department, but a city office that is public facing to the community and that people can actually access. So if you can just speak to maybe what uh, the current executive director and project manager roles are now, what are they working on and how you envision this office of eviction defense actually working for the implementation of this ordinance.
12: So, Madam President, thank you for the question. So, first of all, I just want to say to the members of this body, April uh, Faith Shaker and Dylan Adrian worked on this contract uh, with me every day. So, that was an iterative process for them. They're well uh, versed in what the contract requires, number one. Number two, part of what they're going to be doing, Madam President, uh, is, and, and you've heard this from lots and lots of persons who do business in the city of Detroit, we want to make sure that our invoice slash payment processes, as it relates to uh, UCAC getting paid for the services that are rendered, thus allowing them to be able to pay the uh, subcontractors that they have, are in as best working order as possible. So we're going to April and, and and Adrian will be working with UHC to make sure that that's a smooth process. Some of the uh, 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 programs that we have, where they've been providing service to the city of Detroit, have not gone as smoothly as we all might have hoped. We want to make sure that those are uh, well in place and 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 not disrupted. We are getting. We are going to get uh, to the phone call. We uh, to the phone opportunity. We do uh, envision and we're talking with the housing relocation team headed up by uh, David Bowser and Chelsea uh, Niblett about whether or not it's going to be a different number the same number are we going to are we just going to have one intake and they'll be directed to one Mm -hmm. referral source or another Uh, they in fact are going to uh, they have the same requirement that we do in terms of being uh, public facing they're going to be uh, setting up shop I'm not quite sure where yet uh, but soon they will be available will be coming operationally very soon after them um, we the, the 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 phone number and the over the phone intake that's a uh, it, it, it's more than a goal but we don't quite yet have the system in place to do that Uh, We were very effective in doing that during COVID. You remember the central uh, uh, intake process that we have to schedule appointments. Uh, It is likely that we are going to have to duplicate something like that with all the various housing services that we are offering. Uh, Those are the conversations that we're having internally. We'll have to come back to you and to this body uh, with the plan in the next 30 days.
9: All right. Thank you. And I know as the contract comes back, we'll have further discussions, but I think that the office of eviction defense needs to be flushed out a lot more. Um, I know as a sponsor of the the ordinance myself, I I envisioned it actually being a public facing office where people can call, they can get resources, they can be directed to the intake with the United Community Housing Coalition, um, because I know that they're overwhelmed and underfunded as well too. So I don't want to put too much extra pressure uh, on them as well. And so we can flush it out in more detail, but I just wanna put on the record uh, that I think that the office may need to be funded um, and some allocations be added to to that particular office to make sure that they can do the work that this ordinance um, has required them to do, which speaks to conducting outreach uh, to make sure that people are aware of this particular program. Um, And then the second thing I wanted to mention, um, uh, Mr. Chair, is roughly how many cases will the current contract or allocation cover roughly, so people can understand um, how many cases we're looking at with the current amount of funding that we have allocated to date, which is $6 million. Right,
12: so we're anticipating, uh, Madam President, uh, 2,208 a year.
9: Okay, so I just want people to understand uh, you started off originally stating that roughly 30,000 um, cases filings, filings okay, filings. but we still know most of those filings turn into potential cases.
12: Well, and I'm not dis—I'm not disagreeing with anything that you're saying. What we don't know, Madam President, is how many of those persons, and I—I I will grant you that it is—it is a small percentage mm-hmm. who are not who are not eligible uh, for the 200%. A wage limitation that's the contained in the ordinance. Not everybody in Detroit who finds themselves uh subject to an eviction process is simply there because they can't afford to pay the obligation that they have and those are the persons that need to that that, that are not the going ordinance to be eligible. Covers. That's right. 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 Okay, so that that's the first the second thing is is that the you, you you can only provide service. And I do think that the intake model that is currently in place, because this is a complex process, there is energy required on behalf of the lawyer and the client. The modest requirement that you come to court to meet the lawyer, that's going to provide you the representation is not an overwhelming responsibility. And I, and, and as I indicated, those persons who do come are represented and their cases are managed so that's that 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 is that is a truth that we can't ignore now that's not to say that with the outreach that you described and all the other aspects of the community uh, uh, outreach that has to occur that more people won't seek to take advantage but we'll know okay. and 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 i do think that that is part of uh the anticipated outcome by members of this
9: body. Thank you. And and again, I understand what you're saying, that everyone may not fall below uh, the income threshold that we set in the ordinance, uh, but based on the information that I have received to date, there's still a significant amount of families and individuals who uh, would not be covered based on the amount of funding that we have. I know the Stout Report estimated, I think, 17 million annually just to cover uh, the need for legal representation in the city. Um, and so I would hope that the office of eviction defense and our new executive director will be providing that needs assessment. Now, I think that was a part of what she was supposed to do. Uh, when she comes in is start to gather the data so that we can have that now to know what we actually need as a city from a financial standpoint to uh, standpoint to be able to provide the representation that is needed. So, um, I just wanted to come on record to say that I, I support, You know the work that we've done to date i appreciate corporation counsel's work in this Um, i still believe that we should be advocating for more funding for the right to counsel ordinance Uh, i think that the office of eviction defense will eventually need more funding as well too to make sure that uh office is properly managed Uh, to be responsive to the residents in our city and I'm looking forward to further uh, discussions as this contract comes before us for approval. So thank you for the work Corporation Council, Um, but we have a lot more work to be done. Thank you so much.
2: Thank you, Madam President. And I uh, i will say this uh, to members as well. I know there are some additional questions. I would ask that they be submitted offline um, relative to this subject because uh, I'm going to ask to bring this back as uh, Corporation Council has indicated. Uh, There's some more research and data that needs to be done uh, to this issue. One of the concerns that I do have uh, as well, we talk about the 30,000, how many of them fit into that uh, right to council? I think that is an important number for us to have particularly as we're talking about contracting, uh, we want to ensure that we are providing the service to those who need the service, and not to say that anyone who is facing eviction is not going through something terrible, but what this program is designed for, we want to ensure that we are directing our funds to those folks, and then we have the ability as well to know how much funding, if necessary, supplemental funding we actually need to be able to support that relative to the data. So. Uh, I look forward to continuing that discussion uh, as well. Uh, and so I would ask members uh, for a motion to bring back. Mr.
9: Chair, really quick before we do that, I'm sorry. Okay. Is, is there a way Corporation Counsel that you could provide or the Office of Eviction Defense can provide that information prior to the approval of the contract out of the 30,000 cases, how many actually will fall within the income guidelines um, of the ordinance that is proposed? And I could put it in writing as a formal request, but I just want to know for the record if that's something that we can get.
12: I'm sure, Madam President, that there are going to be uh, uh, resources that we can rely on. The and and I, I appreciate the opportunity to respond. What I really had hoped was that the body would give the Office of the Victim Defense the opportunity to collect its own data and share that with you, as opposed to relying data collected by persons who's. Integrity is not in question, but nevertheless, is not going to be uh, uh, not 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 based on the experience directly associated with the uh, office of fiction defense. So we can do a literature review and come up with and and indicate, uh, Madam President, the sources that we looked at to come to the conclusion that we share with the body, but it won't be it won't be based on any experiential data that we've collected from the office ourselves. So, yeah, we'll, we, we will look to see across uh, uh, the reports that are available, what their conclusions are, and be glad to centralize them in one place and share them with
2: this body. All
9: right. And we'll put we'll follow up in writing, uh, Member Durhal as well. Yeah, I, Thank, I, you, no problem. Thank you, Corporation.
2: Thank you. And I do understand you can't make the request from the table. So would you like to uh, one of us to make the request, Madam mind. President.
9: Yeah, I think I can make one. I'm going ex-officio, right? Yeah, but, there's no, but, <laughs> but you can't, you can't uh,
2: uh, mo- motion or vote. So, would I can't you li- motion or vote? No, sir. So, really? I
9: thought I could.
2: The, so do would I you like a- no, no No, Madam President. Okay, I'm just playing. Go ahead. <laughs> so <laughs> so would you, you so like so one bad. of us to, to, to make the motion for the information that Madam President has Please. Re- requested? So, so I can't make the motion as a chair of the committee. <laughs> so do I have a motion? <laughs> I, I, I'm pretty good at these these rules of order. Uh, do I have a motion uh, from one of the members? Motion. Okay. Uh, to re, to oh, do I have a motion to to, to, whole thing? to request the information that President Sheffield has regarding what, what right did you to say counsel? again? To, tell you what you're going to, say? to <laughs>
9: compile whatever the Office of Eviction Defense can compile that will speak to uh, how many cases within the 36th District Court of the 30,000 annually will actually fall within the income guidelines of our ordinance.
13: I'd like to make a motion that the 30,000, how many of the 30,000 cases will fall within the income qualification guidelines
2: of the right to counsel ordinance, Mr. Chair? Thank you. Is there's a motion on the floor? Are there any objections? Thank you, Member Young. Hearing none, that action shall be taken. Uh, next, we still have to deal with line item 7.2, uh, which is, it is my hope by the time we return, uh, we can have some of that information as well. Uh, do I have a motion to bring back line item 7.2 to be determined? Motion. Okay, hearing no objection, line item 7.2 will be brought back to be determined. Thank you, Mr. Corporation Counsel. Thank you. Uh, for that information. Thank you, Madam President. Okay, so next we will move to line item 7.1. We're uh, getting deep into our agenda, uh, and the snow is still coming down. uh, But we will move to line item 7.1. Hopefully we can move through this very quickly. Uh, Do I have a motion to discuss line item 7.1, members? Motion. Okay. Uh, So I believe we have Mr. Corley. Uh, teed up as well as Director Brown and this is line item 7.1 status of the legislative policy division submitting a report relative to the report on major financial issues of DWSD and GLIWA okay so Mr. Corley uh, if you're ready and I believe again Director Brown is on if so please promote him uh, and if I ask that we can move very uh, quickly through this uh, but still be succinct and provide the information that we need take it away Mr. Corley
11: Thank you, Mr. Chair committee members. Uh, I'm also joined by uh, Mr. Alexander, John Alexander of, um, of my staff, and he'll be uh, queuing up a PowerPoint presentation on this. So.
2: Mr. Leonard, please uh, grant sharing capabilities.
11: Why don't I uh, proceed, Mr. Chair, if that's okay, and once that PowerPoint is queued up, then we can
2: follow along, is that okay? Please do so, Mr. Corley. Thank you. We're gonna briefly report
11: on the uh, Detroit Water and Sewers Department uh, fiscal year 2022 year-end budget variances. We're going to touch on the agreement between the Great Lakes Water Authority and DWSD and any outstanding issues regarding amounts uh DWSD owes Galiwa. We'll touch on the uh, lead service lines replacement. We'll also touch on affordability rates and the DWSD uh, lifeline um, plan. And we'll touch on federal and state dollars that may benefit DWSD as as well as um an update on a um, uh, DWSD water and sewer upgrades. Please go to um, page three, uh, Ms. Alexander. I'm trying to get there. How do I? Can
12: you see the first page?
11: Yeah, I can see the first page. I don't know if Mr. Leonard can help advancing it. Oh, there we go. Okay, okay. Okay, thank you so much. Uh, So this um, page shows the um, operating revenues for the water um, department as well as sewer. And for water, there was a $3.9 million surplus in total water operating revenue for fiscal 2022. Uh, based on uh, higher uh, water volume, service charges, uh, offset by uh, a lower revenue coming from Gleewa on the share of the pension. For sewer, there was a $9.3 million deficit in total sewer operating revenue for fiscal 2022, uh, largely due because of the lower share in the pension uh, payment from Gleewa Um, but there were some uh, surpluses in commodity sales. Next uh, next slide. On the expenditure side, um, looking at the combined water and sewer operating expenses, there was a $42.5 million surplus in total combined water and sewer uh, operating expenses for fiscal 2022, Uh, Largely due to uh, vacancies in in salary and wages, um, lower than expected health insurance costs. Um, The lower pension uh, due to uh, the pension expense um, going much lower uh, because of the plan of adjustment and GASB 68 adjustments. Um, There were a, a delay in certain projects due to the COVID restrictions and contractual services, as well as a delay in project starts um, because of the COVID restrictions under the supplies and operating expense category. Uh, Next slide, please. Just want to say here that um, the pension issues related to um, the DWSD and GLIWA is, uh, is complicated. And we will uh, continue to monitor them. And but again, uh, there will be a lower, much lower pension obligation um, coming out of the plan of adjustment uh, because of the fact that the plan of adjustment um, required for GLEWA and uh, D to accelerate their pension payments. And um, every year their pension payment was about $45 million, uh, but that should be going down significantly starting uh, next fiscal year. Next slide, please. Just looking at um, the combined water and sewer uh, expenses from a departmental uh, perspective, there was a $18.2 million surplus in total combined water and sewer expenses at the departmental level for fiscal 2022. primarily because there were uh, project delays um, in residential plumbing and lead line replacement um, uh, because of the COVID um, impact in, in the operations category. Um, there was unbilled software and maintenance services in the compliance category. And um, in the finance category, uh, there were favorable uh, uh, variances because of uh, vacancies and, and also in contractual services. Um, And so just a a general comment is that uh, in reviewing all these tables, DWSD management has made a considerable effort to operate within budget amounts. However, LPD is concerned with any negative impacts that project delays may have on service delivery, such as residential plumbing and lead line replacement. Next, Next slide, please. Just want to highlight here that uh, coming out of bankruptcy, there was a uh, an agreement between Great Lakes Water Authority and the Water Services Department under uh, various um, uh, bond ordinances. Under the master bond ordinance, um, the Great uh, Lakes Water Authority assumed all of the debt um, from. DWSD's um, operations, however, DWSD has continued to pay their share uh, of the debt service on those bonds. Um, There's a water master bond ordinance, sewer master bond ordinance, which provides the security for the repayment of those bonds, Um, and therefore all the revenues that are generated uh, by DWSD are, are deposited in a receipt fund. Uh, to secure the payment of those bonds. Um, and uh, it's important to note that if receipts are less than disbursements, initially, GLIWA makes up the difference, but the Water and sewer Department has to eventually repay them. Um, on the water side, uh, there, there was no amounts due to um, GLIWA from, from DWSD. However, on the sewer the side, there were Um, um, outstanding um, amounts due from fiscal years 2016, 17, and 2018. However, as of June 30th, 2022, DWSD um, has paid all of the amounts owed to GLIWA for uh, any shortfall. So we uh, commend them for that. Uh, However, we uh, continue to suggest that the uh, council uh, closely monitor the financial performance of, of the Water and Sewers Disposal Funds um, and the LPD will assist you in doing that. Next slide, please. Regarding lead, uh, lead service lines replacement, uh, based on um, uh, updated information in November 2022, there's about 1,700 lead line service lines that have been replaced. Uh, since 2018 uh funded through the dwsd capital improvement plan um fortunately the dwsd expects to receive uh, up to 90 million dollars in federal funding which includes 75 million in um in operative funds uh to assist in the lead service line replacement program and um the first 25 million in contracts on uh, lead service line replacement should be going on in the, in the next few weeks uh, next slide please um when it when it comes to affordability rates and the DWSD lifeline plan uh, we, we know that it, it, it's been a constant um, uh, struggle for DWSD to to deal with um, affordability uh, efforts. Um, right now there's about 60,000 households, city households that had delinquent water bills, uh, which is about 27% of the 220,000 residential customers. Um, you know, uh, council receivable has increased dramatically. Um, the city's collection rate, DWSD's collection rate, uh, dropped from a 93% at the start of the pandemic to about 75%. Uh, during the pandemic and um, the ongoing shutoff moratorium. So as we know, in June of 2022, uh, the mayor and DWSD announced a DWSD Lifeline plan um, uh, and this will help um, a, a, a lower-income um, individuals to, uh, to better pay their, their bills. Uh, and in fact, this plan uh, will offer qualifying customers a fixed monthly rate as low as eighteen dollars uh, per month, um, and that can range up to fifty-six dollars per month. And um, this will provide a lower uh, rate for those customers that's using up to about forty-five hundred gallons—forty-five hundred. I'm sorry, gallons per month. Next slide, please. a couple of things I want to mention here um, is that um, when a resident, Detroit resident, is enrolled in a lifeline plan or in the WSD's ten thirty fifty payment plan, the shutoff moratorium will continue. Um, I believe the WSD is ready to provide briefly some updates on the results of life life plan if I'm done and um again uh accounts receivables have increased coming out of the pandemic next slide please uh
2: mr Corley i i want I want to stop you right there um what we are going to do just in the interest of time uh this is a very important issue to residents uh relative to water affordability and the moratorium. Um, I know we were expecting to have Director Brown on, and there may be somebody from DWSD, but again, due to the inclement weather, weather, I'm trying to get folks out of here. Uh, And so uh, what I am going to do, uh, because I would like to take a deeper dive. I know members have a number of questions uh, relative uh, to this subject, and I don't want to limit their questions to time uh, or Uh, some questions that we may have even received through our offices to to the public. Uh, But let me ask you a couple questions. Is this already published on LPD's website, this report? Uh, Yes, sir. Okay, so this is what I like to do because I really would like to have a robust discussion on this uh, considering, again, this is one of the hottest issues uh, that affect our residents. I just held last night um, our community meeting and we had DWSD there and there were a number of questions and I do not want to rush through Uh, this issue and so um, if you can let us let members of the public know where they can find this uh, after that I am going to motion that we bring this back in one week so we can have the discussion that it deserves uh, for this topic. So could you let us know where they can find it so they can even members of the public can have a week to even review it before we bring it back.
11: Yes uh, uh, members of the public can go under the city of detroit's website into city council's website then you will go to the legislative policy um, divisions website and look at um, reports and you should you should find this powerpoint
2: okay thank you so much and again i appreciate your work i don't want to rush through this this is an important issue members Do I have a motion to bring back line item 7.1 in one week motion that hearing no objection, that action shall be taken. Again, thank you, Mr. Corley, and I know I would like uh, to recognize Ms. Deborah Popovich, uh, who was on uh, just uh, to talk to uh, DWSD uh, on behalf of Director Brown, but we are going to bring this back in one week and look forward to having the discussion it deserves next week. Uh, we will now move on to new business uh, from the office of the chief financial officer, line item 8.1, submitting a report relative to the financial report for the five months ended November 30th, 2022. Uh, members, do I have a motion to bring back line item 8.1 in one week as well? Motion. Hearing no objection, that action shall be taken. Next, moving to the legislative policy division, line item 8.2, submitting a report relative to the policy review Of the proposed capital agenda fiscal year 2023-24 through 2027-2028. Do I have a motion to discuss line item 8.2? Motion. Okay, thank you, members. We have been notified to our office that there needs to be more time on this, and they are asking for a two-week bring back. Do I have a motion to bring back line item 8.2 in two weeks? Motion. Hearing no objection, line item 8.2 will be brought back in two weeks. Next, under miscellaneous, line item 8.3, status of Council President Mary Sheffield submitting a memorandum relative to public notice for Detroit LTGO bonds. Do I have a motion to discuss line item 8.3? Motion. Uh, as members would note, this is a uh, important issue that we hear about every Tuesday. Uh, and uh, this past Tuesday, Council President uh, has referred this to our committee. Uh, and so uh, this is a item that needs to go to LPD uh relative to uh, the memorandum and the reports uh, so do I first have a motion to assign line item 8 assign assign line item sorry 8.3 to LPD motion okay hearing no objections that action shall be taken line item 8.3 will be assigned to LPD uh, and of course, we're going to, I'm going to come to you one second, Mr. Corley. Of course, Thank we're going to need some time as well to get that report, uh, back because I want to have a discussion on that as well. So we can kind of, I don't want to say put the rest, but provide the information, uh, that is needed, that is requested all the time. Mr. Corley, uh, if you'd like to speak online on item
11: 8.3. Thank you very briefly. Um, uh, Mr. Chair, uh, we received some information from the OCFO Finance Department, as well as from their bond council, uh, Miller Canfield, to respond uh, to these questions um, from Mr. Uh, Malik Shelton. Um, and so the report has, go- it should be going out today, uh, and it should hit e Grind in the first office, so it should appear in um, uh, next week to be referred to your committee. So thank you.
2: Thank you, Mr. Corley, and I'm glad that we're getting that information together uh, and it's getting prepared. I look forward to next week uh, having that discussion as well, uh, if it is the uh, will of this body to bring it back in one week. Uh, so, members, do I have a motion to bring back line item 8.3 in one week? Motion. Okay, hearing no objection, line item 8.3 will be brought back in one week. Next, we'll move to member reports. Chair recognizes member Santiago Romero.
12: No reports.
2: Thank you, Member Santiago Romero. Chair recognizes Vice Chair Young. Everybody drive home safe. Negative member report. Thank you, Member Vice Chair. Uh, My member report was going to be the same thing. Everybody please remain safe, drive home safe, get home safe, take care of each other. Uh, With that, do I have a motion to adjourn today's meeting? Motion. Okay, hearing no objection, this committee will stand at ease at the call of the chair.